Good morning, and a very, very warm welcome to you all. Uh, those of you here in the building and those of you who are uh, watching online, it's great uh, that you've made it despite the best that Dudley and Eunice could do. Uh, you've made it here, so uh, it's great to have you here with us. Uh, if you're new or if you're visiting, uh, please do uh, uh, join us after the service for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, uh, and do say hello to us. It'd be great to get to know you uh, a little bit better. And this morning, Neil's going to be continuing our series through John's Gospel. And we'll be looking today at John 6, 16 to 24 in our Come and See series. He's the one who takes away fear. Uh, it's a great joy, isn't it, for us to be able to, uh, to gather together uh, this morning to, uh, to worship God. Uh, and indeed, the writer of Hebrews, he encourages us, doesn't he, uh, not to neglect meeting together. Uh, and as we gather together to worship the one true God, uh, it's easy, isn't it, to come here with our mind full of the stuff that's going on uh, in, in our lives. And I, I guess the storms are a great metaphor for that, aren't they? Things are blowing around us, all sorts of chaos uh, around us, and it can be uh, very easy to become distracted. Uh, and if you're worshipping at home this morning, you also have the added distraction of everything around you uh, being so close by. Uh, but what I'd like for us to do... Before we start, whether you're at home or whether you're here, just to take a moment uh, to ready our own hearts, uh, a moment of silence as we come uh, to worship the one true living God. And as we worship God in prayer, in song, as we listen to God's word being read and preached. So let's start with a moment of silence. Uh, perhaps close your eyes, uh, bow your head and let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this time you have given us to come before you in worship. By your spirit and through your word, meet with us this morning. Minister deeply to our hearts. Be at work through the service, leading us to see and know more of your love for us and of our desperate need for you. Help us to grow in love and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. This reading is taken from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 16 to 24. <clears throat> when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realised that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed <coughs> near the... <coughs> excuse me. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread 
after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Thanks, Kate. Morning, everybody. Well, if you've been doing the, uh, the course, the many of our um, home groups are doing this term called living with fear and anxiety, you will know that one of the most common commands in the Bible is do not be afraid or do not fear. A reason uh, that it's in the Bible is because we all do fear, don't we? Um, we're all afraid of many different things. We're afraid of what people think of us, afraid of doing something stupid or embarrassing, we're afraid of failing to do what we are expected to do or what we have set out to do. We're afraid of something happening that we cannot control or that we cannot anticipate. We're afraid of becoming ill and dying. Or afraid of somebody dear to us becoming ill or dying. There are different degrees of fear from uh, mild anxiety to total paranoia. And some people might think, well, well, dealing with anxiety is um, something we need to go to a counsellor about. What, what does the Bible have to do with fear and anxiety? Well, I guess we have to ask ourselves, why is God so concerned about us not being afraid? If he is so concerned, then it must in some way be a spiritual issue. And the reason is that underneath every fear is a lack of trust in God and his love for us. The Bible tells us that perfect love drives out fear. And therefore, when we fully grasp the love of God for us, which our theme is our theme for us as a church this year, we're able to live lives that are free from that grip of fear. To be afraid is not so much a, uh, a disobedience issue as a spiritual struggle. And therefore, the command to not be afraid is more of an encouragement than an absolute command. When God tells us not to be afraid, he's encouraging us to put our faith in him as the one who knows our needs, as the one who can meet our different needs. Well, we're in the middle of a, a sermon series in the Gospel of John in which we're being invited to come and see. Come and see the man called Jesus. And so far in this uh, series, we've uh, looked at the one who knows everything about us, the one who does more than just do signs, the one who can make us well, the one who is equal with God, the one who meets all of our needs. And this morning we're looking at Jesus as the one who takes away our fear. It's a story of darkness and danger. And the interesting thing about this story is that it comes after the story last week of God's bountiful provision in the feeding of the 5,000. We've moved quickly from a mountaintop experience to a storm in the valley. But that's the reality of life, isn't it? It can change so quickly. One day we're feeling top of the world, and the next day we've been brought down low. Well, last week, if you've got your Bibles handy, we, we finished... Um, the passage with these words in verse 14 of chapter 6. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, that was the feeding of the 5,000, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, 
withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The crowd had their own idea of what their king should look like. Someone who could meet all of their physical needs. If he could feed 10 to 15,000 people, um, then he must be the man for the job. And so we're told uh, they wanted to make him king by force against his will. But Jesus is God. He has come to establish his kingdom, his way. And that will require people submitting to him and his rule over their lives, not them dictating to, to him. Which is a problem a lot of people have today, isn't it? They have their own idea of what God should be like, rather than trying to understand how God really is through looking at his word. And so Jesus withdraws to a mountain to pray. Uh, prayer is an essential part of Jesus' life. Even though he's taken on human form uh, and is physically separate from his father, he still maintains that close fellowship with him. Well, meanwhile, we're told in verse 16, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. In the account of the story in Matthew's gospel, we're told that Jesus told his disciples to go on ahead of him. It wouldn't have been a problem for them. Some of them had been fishermen who were familiar with the lake of Galilee. But we're told in verse 18, it was dark, a strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. We've known quite a lot about strong winds these past few days, haven't we? But I guess for most of us, we've been within the protection of our four walls. But imagine being on a lake at night time in such conditions. Probably would have taken the disciples some time to, to row those three or four miles, quite some hours. They would have been exhausted. And it's at this point amongst the waves that we're told they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. So how did Jesus reassure them in their fear? How does he reassure us today when we are feeling afraid? Why do we not need to be afraid? Three reasons we're going to look at from this passage. The first of those is that Jesus is with us in the storms of life. The disciples had gone from being at the center of this great big party, a feast, and now they're out on their own in the darkness and nobody even knows where they are. And as they see this figure approaching in the dark, they must have wondered if their eyes were playing tricks on them. Maybe it was a ghost. But Jesus says to them, don't be afraid. And the reason he gives them is simply, it is I. It is I, or literally, I am. And the amazing thing is not just their, their, their leader, their teacher, Jesus, has turned up to give them a hand with the rowing when they were getting a little bit tired. It is that God has turned up just when they need him. The Gospel of John is full of I am sayings by Jesus. Next week we'll look at how Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He goes on to say later on, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. When God tells Moses in the Old Testament who he is, he says, I am who I am. That is his name. And so I am is another reference to the fact that Jesus is God 
himself. In a conversation with the Jewish leaders, uh, when Jesus tells them that he's seen Abraham, they say, they say to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and yet you've seen Abraham? And Jesus' response was, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And they knew by saying that he was claiming to be God. And so they picked up stones and tried to, to stone him. Although Jesus had gone to pray on the mountain and was therefore not physically present with his disciples in the boat during the storm, he hadn't forgot about them. And he came to them in their hour of need. He was willing to walk on the water to be with them, to get on inside the boat with them. When Jesus died and rose again, uh, before he ascended to heaven, he, he did not abandon his followers, but he promised them he would send the Holy Spirit and said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us today. He's with us when we feel lonely or unloved, when we feel sick, afraid, and we feel unjustly treated. Nothing can separate us from his love. He's with us in the storms of life. And therefore, we don't need to be afraid. When the disciples realized that this figure walking on the water was Jesus, they, they took him into their boat. And we're told in verse 21, immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. We're not told exactly how that happened, but uh, presumably Jesus calmed the storm as he could. He had the power to do that. Maybe he gave the disciples a supernatural strength to get to the other side. That brings us on to our next point, because we, we don't need to be afraid because Jesus is with us in the storms. But secondly, because Jesus gives us the strength to do the impossible. That was what we saw last week, wasn't it? Remember uh, uh, when Jesus took a boy's packed lunch and fed nearly 15,000 people. In our passage this morning, we're told that Jesus was walking on water. And the disciples knew that that was impossible. Um, they might not have known the, uh, the scientific explanation for why that was impossible. The fact, uh, as I'm sure the scientists here will tell you, that the force of gravity is greater than the surface tension of the water, apparently. Um, Sure, you guys doing your physics at school will know that. But they would have known from experience that people just can't walk on water. And so their minds rush to find other explanations. Well, maybe this is a ghost we're seeing in front of our eyes. But Jesus was demonstrating that nothing is impossible with him. He was the one who, who designed the law of physics in the first place. So he can break those laws of physics if he so chooses. But even more amazing than him demonstrating his power, he was trying to show the disciples that they too can do impossible things if they ask Jesus and trust in him. You remember what happened in last week's story? After everyone had had enough to eat and they were all full, Jesus asked his disciples to gather all the pieces left over. And they filled 12 basketfuls of pieces. 12 being significant because Jesus had 12 disciples. The message he was giving them was that if you give up everything to serve me, I will give you everything you need and more to be able to do that. I will equip you and strengthen you for that ministry. 
And maybe you're wondering, well, what can I do to serve Jesus? I don't feel I have, I have much to, to offer. I don't have many, many gifts. I, I don't know what I could do. Or if you have the desire to serve him, ask him for the strength to serve him in the place where he wants you to serve him. Ask him for the faith to be able to serve him. And having asked him, then step out in faith, trusting that he will give you that strength you need. The disciples went ahead of Jesus on their own. They were on their own. But Jesus was there just when they needed him. And as they experienced his help throughout his life, they grew bit by bit in their faith in him as they put their trust in him. Let's just turn briefly to uh, the account of this story in Matthew's Gospel. If you've got your Bibles handy there, go to Matthew 14. Because he brings um, an extra dimension to the story in his account. Matthew 14, verse 22. And here we read that um, after Jesus says the same thing, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter replies in verse 28, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. In other words, give me the strength and the faith to do what you are doing. And Jesus says, come. And all credit to Peter, he steps out of the boat and starts walking on the water toward Jesus. He took that step of faith. But then we're told, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, sink cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. But he also said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Peter was walking towards Jesus and everything is going fine until he suddenly becomes aware of his surroundings. He saw the size of the waves. He, he felt the, the strength of the wind against his face. He realized that they were miles from shore and he was far from the boat. And he probably thought, this is not possible. I'm dreaming this. I cannot be walking on water. As he starts to worry, he begins to sink. I'm sure we've all been there in different situations, haven't we? Uh, maybe we've um, reluctantly agreed to share our testimony in the church, been press ganged by one of the pastors. But as we look around and see all the people's faces in front of us, we're we're afraid, I can't do this, this is not me, I don't do this sort of thing. Maybe we're in a small group, um, maybe in a home group, we, we want to pray out aloud, but we're afraid we'll stumble over the words, uh, we're worried about what people will think. Maybe we're awake at night thinking about all the things that we need to do, all the people we need to see, and we're afraid we just won't get it all done, we will let somebody down. Doubt comes when we lose our faith in God's strength or his love for us. And that is what Satan is constantly trying to do, to undermine our faith in God. Jesus says this in 2 Corinthians, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When we acknowledge our weakness then we can ask God for his strength. If we don't feel weak, it's probably because we're trusting in our own strength. 
And God's not going to work through us if we're trusting in our own strength. God wants us to ask for his strength and to do the impossible through us. As we trust in him to do that, he will remove our fear. So how do we go about doing that? Well, by taking risks for Christ. It doesn't mean being reckless. Um, It means doing something which we believe God wants us to do, but which is outside our control. And so we have to trust that God will give us what we need when we need it. As Hudson Taylor said, unless there is an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. Unless there is an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. Some of you will remember if you were here at the time when we did the building project here in the church. We believed that this is what God wanted us to do. Um, But there were a lot of risks. We didn't know how much it would cost, how much money we would be able to raise, whether we would get planning permission, how we'd be able to um, keep the, the neighbors on board and manage those relationships, and so on and so on. But because we couldn't control any of those things, we had to seek the Lord's help in prayer. We became dependent on him. We grew in our faith in him as he one by one answered all those questions. Every year we produce a budget which shows how much money we think we need to do what God wants us to do as a church in the coming year. And on Thursday night we shared that with the members. We don't know where that money will come from. We don't know whether it will come, but we, we don't wait for it to come in first before we do anything. We go forward trusting and praying that God will provide as he touches people's hearts to give generously. Every time we step out in faith and see God provide for our needs, we grow in our faith. Jesus didn't just call his disciples to follow him and see him perform some amazing miracles, have some amazing experiences. Jesus was teaching them every time to trust in him. Trust in him so they would grow in their faith, so they would be able to grow his church after he left them and went back to heaven. And after he left them, he would send his spirit to empower them for that ministry. So they would always have that strength they can call on. And he still empowers us for ministry today. So the question is, what are we asking him to do through us? In Ephesians 3, which comes after our verse for the year about God's love for us, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If we only do what we are confident that we can do, it will be very little. Because we're effectively doing it in our own strength. If we do what we are not confident of doing, in other words, if we step out in faith, if we take risks for Jesus, then we will see his power at work through us. What is God calling you to do in his strength for his glory? We do not need to be afraid because Jesus gives us strength to do the impossible. And finally, we don't need to be afraid because Jesus will bring us to the eternal shore. Jesus gets into the boat, we're told in verse 21, then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they 
were heading. At that stage, they probably couldn't see beyond their immediate need for rescue. I would have been looking forward just to being on solid ground again. Getting a bit of sleep, having something to eat. The reason we don't need to be afraid when the storms of life hit us is because if we put our trust in Jesus, then we know he will bring us safely to the final shore, the eternal shore. If you look ahead to verse 39 of chapter 6 that we will look at in more detail next week, Jesus says these words. He says, and this is the will of him who sent me, the Father, that I shall lose none of all those he's given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. To look to the Son and believe in him means we believe that Jesus died in our place, that he took the penalty that we deserve for rejecting God and trying to live our lives our way. We believe that Jesus did that for us so we can be forgiven and made right with God and live with him for eternity. And what that means is that whatever happens to us in this life, we can be assured that we will get to our final destination because Jesus will bring us there safely. We will one day be with God in heaven. I think the problem many of us have, though, is we can't look beyond our immediate problem. For some of you, that may be getting through the pandemic. Once uh, we've got through this, then I can get back to living for Jesus. We don't know whether there'll be another pandemic around the corner. We don't know whether we'll fall ill with something else. For some, it may be once I get through this busy period at work, then I will be able to live for Jesus fully then I'll be able to take risks for him. But of course, one busy period is followed by another, another busy period, isn't it? Maybe it's once I, once I get married, or once I have children, or once my children have grown up, once I retire, then I will be able to live for Christ more fully and take risks for him. There will always be something else that consumes our life. There will always be another responsibility. Rather than focusing on the wind and the waves and the impossibility of our situation now, Let's enjoy our relationship with Jesus where we are through the storms of life because he's with us. Jesus is with us in the storms of life. He's with us in the boat. So let's pray that he will give us the strength to step out of the boat, to walk on the water, to take risks for him. And let's look ahead to our final destination. Let's always keep that in mind beyond the storm of the present time. If we know our eternal future is secure, that Jesus will bring us to our eternal shore, it enables us to see our current challenges in a, in a different light. It enables us to serve with freedom and peace and joy right now because we know our future is secure. But what about if you, if you don't yet know that, that peace and joy in your life? You don't yet know Jesus as your Lord? You don't know where you're heading? Well, this passage ends with the words in verse 24. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search 
of Jesus. If that is you, can I encourage you to keep searching for Jesus? Because God says to Jeremiah, to, to Israel in the book of Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Can I encourage you to seek him? Come and see a man who takes away our fear. Come back next week. Come and see a man who gives life to the world. Come and put your trust in him. Let's pray. Father God, there will be lots of storms that uh, we are experiencing in our lives right now. And it is hard sometimes to see beyond them. Sometimes we may feel totally on our own and powerless to do anything about them. Lord, we pray that uh, you would make your presence felt to us through whatever it is we are going through right now. Lord, we accept we are powerless to do anything about it in our own strength, but we thank you for the strength you give us. And we call on you now to give us that strength day by day. We ask you to give us the faith to trust in you, that you're there for us in our time of need. And Lord, give us the strength to step out in faith, to do what you are calling us to do. Help us not to put that off. Help us not to worry about people, but to fear only you. And Lord, we thank you that our eternal future is secure as we put our trust in Jesus. Lord, may that give us the the peace and the strength to cope with the current situations in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that brings us uh, to the end of our service. If the Lord has spoken to you this morning and you would like someone to pray with you, then please do stay in here, pray with the person you came with, or grab Neil or myself or Colin. Uh, It'll be a privilege uh, to pray with you. I was struck by what Neil said today, that uh, the importance of rather focusing on the impossibility of our current situation, that we should look to Jesus, because in our darkness, Jesus is with us. And so some words uh, that Neil used, I'll use those to close. From Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.